Hey everybody, welcome to Row Hunting Resources Podcast. All right, it is Sunday, June 5th. You're going to be listening to this on uh, June 6th, hopefully, Lord willing. 9.40 in the evening. So I'm getting a little bit of an earlier start than normal on usually Sunday nights. But I'm uh, just getting back from the Kansas City area uh, over in Lawrence, Kansas, eastern side of the state, doing a seminar with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the Kansas City chapter folks over there in conjunction with John Overton and Overton's Archery Center. John and I have been friends for, man, a long, long time. Um, I met him. Oh, good, good. I'm not even going to take a stab. I'm not even going to try to take a stab at the date because I, I really don't know. It has to be probably 2009, 2008, 2009. And then, um, yeah, so John used to work as a sound guy for all stuff. All, I mean, he, you go to a concert and all of the sound, all the audio, all the speakers, all, the, all that stuff, that's what John used to do. Um, he wasn't, I mean, he was the guy, I mean, he would go and install the stuff as well, but he'd be setting the stuff up and designing the stuff and getting, I mean, geez, he'd be coordinating everything. And when, when, when the fit hit the shan and somebody needed somebody to troubleshoot stuff, he was the guy that was out there troubleshooting stuff. And he was doing R and D on, you know, speaker design and just helping different concert venues and different artists figure out how a better way to, I mean, the, the guys, the guy, oh, hell, I, I, I would still trust him to do half that stuff today. I'm, I'm sure he's forgot most of it now but because he just doesn't do that stuff anymore. But anyway, back in the day, that's who he used to be. And um, so he was he was the sound guy of all sound guys. And so when I started doing video uh, for Row Hunting Resources back in 2010 and starting to build the website, uh, the Elk Hunting Institute and the Elk Module, uh, I need, I, I, I went to him and I asked him, I said, you know, what do we, you know, from an audio standpoint, how do I get better audio? And he hooked me up on some lavalier mics and kind of pointed me in, in some good directions on getting some things going. And ever since then, we've been friends. Well, he kind of he got burned out on on doing some of that stuff, and he always loved archery, and, and he wanted to start his own business. And so long story short, he ended up starting his own or opening his own archery shop, Um and yeah, it's it's gone gang. It's it's been gangbusters ever since for him out there, and he's he's got an, a phenomenal shop right there in Lawrence, just right off of I seventy, um, which is on just on the well. So Lawrence, if you're not sure where that is, it's kind of on the just on the western outskirts of Kansas City. Um, so yeah, if you if you live in that area and you need a, a good archery shop, there there it is. There, I mean, there you go. There it is. It's got an indoor range. Uh, full pro shop, all the accessories, all the everything you need. Does a great job. So anyway, John and I have been friends for forever and a day. And so I've been going out there to do seminars uh, at his place. You know, again, same thing, you know, kind of supporting the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation folks out there as well. Uh, for I think this is this was year four or five. I think maybe it maybe four. Well, no, I think it's I think it's year four of me doing it. But it's been five years. We had one year, obviously, with COVID. We didn't do that one. Maybe that's what it is. It's been five years, but I've done four of them. 
But um, anyway, that was Saturday. That was Saturday night. Kicked it. You know, the doors opened. You know, for that to start at six o'clock. I started talking about seven, and literally, we did not walk out of that. We didn't walk out the doors until I think eleven o'clock. I think we were there for four hours. It was awesome. It was it was great. It was. I mean, we had a good group. Of, I mean, a good uh, turnout, and the seminar. Seminar is what it, and I'll, I'll talk about that. I'll talk some about it here in a minute. I, re, I, I really think, for me, the most enjoyable part of Saturday was the Q and A and the discussion afterwards. Because, um, and I'm gonna t- I'm gonna touch on one Q and A portion here in a minute. One of the questions that came up, um, and I'm gonna touch on why I'm such a horrible business person. I, I, I will freely admit that, but we'll we'll get in that in here in a minute. Um, the Q and A section was awesome. And Alan, uh, Reiki, uh, well, one of the Elk Foundation guys, you know, he follows the podcast and, and, uh, and, and Alan, if you're listening to this, I, I apologize again for screwing up your week last week. I, I apparently, um, some of you out there and I, Alan's not the only one, but there's, I, uh, me being late on the podcast screwed up people's schedules because you, you guys have your schedules on Monday and, and apparently I'm part of that that schedule on Monday to listen to the podcast, and then you're set up for the rest of the week. Then 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 I didn't do the one on Monday, so here we go. We're kicking. We're getting. We're back on. We're we're trying to get back on track. But anyway, he brought up. You know, he asked some really good questions, and then we started getting into some pretty deep philosophical discussions um, that were more of, of a podcast style discussion. And again, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just touch on a little bit there uh, on one of those questions here towards the end of, of this one. But um, man, it was a good time. It was, it was fun. And I, I, I appreciate all of you that came out. If you're listening, uh, I appreciate every single one of you that came out. It was a gorgeous day or, or a gorgeous evening. So you could have been out doing anything on uh, anything else that you could have imagined. The weather was perfect for it, but yet you came and you sat in a, in a, Art, on an archery range on all sorts of different chairs and seats and everything else and just we 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 sat we we talked for four hours and, and had a great great discussion and I, I appreciate every one of you that came out and I appreciate the good questions and you know the just kind of the thoughtful interaction and engagement it was it was fun but what I was going to talk about today, at least for this episode, was just kind of touch on a couple of things. One, you know, the the seminar itself. Um, for those that have asked, is this seminar that I, you know, I, I did this, uh, let me take a step back. So the rough title of the seminar is, you know, defeated before you start, you know, or defeated before you begin. You know, what are the things that are that are killing your success in the field? You know, before you even start, where everybody's doing preseason efforts right now, whether it's, you know, again, we'll get into all these, you know, fitness and shooting your bow and bugling and all, you know, just practice, whatever. Everybody's doing something to get themselves prepped up, you know, prepped and ready for uh, this upcoming season. But then you step foot in the field and there's a handful of things that people do, it, not maliciously, and it's not, and it's not, it, it just, just, just innocent oversights that can absolutely shoot you shoot you in the foot and either kill your entire 
hunting effort for that week. And this is especially true for, it applies to everybody, but it's especially true for non-resident hunters. I mean, most of the time, you know, when you live in a state, you know, like when I lived in Colorado, and obviously I do this for a living, part of my, part of my living anyway. And so most of the time I would have plus or minus the whole season to hunt. Now, I wouldn't be out there probably the entire season, but on and off, I had the ability, you know, we'd go, we'd do a week or 10 days. There were times that we did a two-week elk camp. That was a little much for Kelly and the horses, so we backed it off to about 10 days. That seemed to be about the, the peak, you know, the max amount of time Kelly liked to be in out in the camp and, you know, the horses and everything else as far as resource damage and everything else. So we kind of backed it off between seven and, and 10 days. And if, you know, most of the time we'd get something on the ground and yay, awesome, out we go. But those years where, you know, maybe I didn't get something during our elk camp, you know, depending on what the work schedule and everything else was, I, you know, I'd have the opportunity to go back to for another four day weekend or back for another weekend here or there. And I, I, I had an opportunity to go back out multiple times. Well, when you're a non-resident and you're traveling many, many hundreds, if not thousands of miles to go out to an elk camp, most of the time you're talking about you're leaving, you know, end of the week on one week, showing up on the weekend, hunting that week, and then heading home that next weekend. So maybe you've got seven days to hunt. Maybe you've got five days to hunt. And and that that's it. That that's your hunt. That I mean, all in, all the chips shoved in. There you go. We're all in and, and there it is. Because if it doesn't work, well, sorry, you gotta go back to work. And you just pulled vacation time. And now you got to drive back to the family and everybody else is waiting on you. So it's not like you could just bounce around and, well, it didn't work out this week. I'll come back next week or whatever, right? Most of the time for non-resident, us, and I have to say that now, I, I, I am a non-resident hunter now. And I, and this, this is one of the things that came up and we'll, I'll touch on it here in the end, um, or parallel concepts of, of the fact that I hunt other states at the uh, at the pleasure of the state and uh, and the state agencies. So when I go to elk camp, it's a it's a finite period of time. Even though I still do this for a living, and even though I can carve out some time, it's still a finite per- uh, amount of time. And so you roll into camp, and you inadvertently blow the elk out. Or you inadvertently are are just one of the myriad of other hunters on the landscape all doing the exact same thing. You, again, you're you're oftentimes, and I, I see this all the time. And the reason why I talked about this this year is because I witnessed it so just just so starkly, just blatantly, just just like vividly last year where I was hop, skipping and jumping around to all sorts of different areas that I had, I had hunted in the past just to see how things were going. Man, you could do one or two small, innocent mistakes and absolutely tank the likelihood of your success for the rest of that week. And so I kind of chose... Now, for the Denver ISC show, I, t- I chose the top three. Um, this time, I... I I listed it as four. Really, it's three because two of them are related, and I changed one of them. So, re- 
I, I say that because people have asked, are, is the Denver ISC show seminar going to be posted on the elk module, the Elk Hunting Institute? Yes. And, and or slash this seminar. Yes. Uh, but not just a, a physical recording of me giving those. I'm going to actually sit down here and make better notes. Uh, I'm going to go through some of the video footage that I have and see if I can't, um, if if there's stuff in there, there are there are th- anyway doesn't matter. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to to do a little bit better of a job to you know enshrine that in a video for the Elk Hunting Institute coming up. So yes, this information will be on the Elk module. So anybody subscribes and has access to that this summer, you'll have access to it here coming up. Um, so anyway, part of and I'm not gonna go into the details of it because that's why you, I mean go become a subscriber and, and get to listen in on some of this stuff. Like I said, remember I said I was a horrible business? I am. I, I'm a better biologist and, and habitat guy than I am marketing my own business. And and like for one of them, there was a, I, I'll get into this later. There was a guy, one of the questions that came in last night uh, regard was regarding uh, quartering two shots. And we set, I mean, we, we, you know, an elk comes in and he's quartering to you. Well, I've talked about that before. And I mentioned that during the seminar. And then we we answered that we went in depth. I brought the whiteboard and I'm drawing diagrams and all sorts of other stuff and answering that question in depth. And I completely failed to mention the fact that on the freaking web, website, I have a two-part video series. It's like, it's like two hours long discussing everything about drawing your, when elk come in, how, you know, I'm going through the strategies and actions videos. I'm actually pulling video, showing stuff on camera. I'm showing you elk in those scenarios where I'm calling them in. The animals are moving through the timber. I've got a two-part series talking about this. Like, and you can watch it in, on video where we're talking about, okay, when am I going to draw the bow? How am I going to draw the bow? Number one, but, but as the elk is coming in, you can watch the elk come in on video, and then I talk about it. I dub over it. Okay, here's when I, if I was going to draw the boat, this is when I would draw it. Here's why. His head is blocked. He's got movement here, there, blah, 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 blah. Okay, he turns, he moves, he, he starts to walk away. Where would I stop him? Where would I take the shot? And then the second, and so the first part is all about that. And then the second part is, okay, let's take, let's talk about quartering two, like frontal shots and quartering two shots, because those are, those are two shot scenarios when again I talk about call them to your toes when you're when you're hunting you when you are the hunter you are the shooter you are the caller and especially if you're the video guy if, if it's a solo operation and you're calling those animals to your toes call them to your toes okay under 20 yards most of the time you're gonna not mo- well yeah a good portion of the time you're going to end up being either presented with a frontal, a quartering two, or if you've got some nerves of seal and, excuse me, you've got a good setup and you can let that bull continue on through. Okay, then you can let him, as he starts to pass by, you can you can smack him on a broadside shot. But quartering two and frontal shots are going to be stuff that that, that you're going to encounter. So we I answered the question last night and then completely didn't even do a sales pitch to all the people in the room, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know I, I get, my wife criticizes me about this all the time. You're horrible on your business. You're, you need somebody marketing. I'm like, well, yeah, that's probably true. But anyway, 
So I completely forgot to, I mean, during that whole discussion, I completely forgot to mention that, yeah, by the way, if you want to watch this stuff in action and have that discussion in depth, so you can actually see elk and angles and positions and me and posi- all that. Yeah, they, there's a there's a video series on the website already, um, and and I'm gonna go through the the website here in a little bit too for you because uh, people have asked about that. So anyway, I, I'm 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 all over the place and I apologize. But anyway, um, the Q and A section was awesome, and then but the the discussion that I had last night was parallel or very similar to the one I had at the Denver ISE show. And yes, it is going to be a piece, a video that is going to be content on the Elk Hunting Institute Elk module. Uh, and again, it's just going to be my, and I'll probably just couch it as my top three, top three things that I've identified that, that most people are shooting themselves in the foot uh, with. Because, and it really stems from um, and this is not a criticism about anybody else's business model. This is not a criticism about anybody else's philosophy or value set. It's not. And we, we talked about value sets quite a bit last night. Um, there are some people that have baited their, I mean, it's their business model. It's their tagline. It's their entire focus. Work harder. How many times have you seen social media YouTube, it doesn't matter where you where you consume your sportsman type your elk hunting, and this is going to be all geared towards elk hunting uh, on this discussion. It doesn't matter where you consume your elk hunting uh, information and entertainment. You are going to be bombarded with the philosophy of nobody cares, work harder. Whether that means nobody cares, work harder with your fitness, nobody cares, work harder with your you know, practicing your calls, your bugling or whatever, getting better at bugling or your calls or whatever. Um, shooting, you know, everybody's out, you know, shooting your bows and going to the shoots and, and testing yourself to, uh, you know, unteam how many limits and angles and distances and blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares. Work harder. Well, one of the things that came out of the part of the discussion last night was this idea of, you know, I went, it, and there, like I said, there's nothing wrong with the whole adage and the idea of work harder. I have just been the person that's always said, okay, you can do that, but in many ways, why not work smarter? If I can work smarter and not have to work harder, I will. I mean, it's not that I want to be lazy, but what, but why, why do more work and put out more expenditure than necessary. It's not it's not to say that I'm not saying that, well, I don't want to put in the work or I don't want to have to work hard. I don't want to have to, you know, go in deeper or stay out longer or blah, 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 you know, stay up later at night or what I whatever. I'll do what needs to be done, but dude, if I can do it easier, if I can if I can work smarter and make my efforts more efficient, save energy, save time. Put an elk on the ground quicker? Why in the hell would I not do that? There's a lot of people that don't. They want they they feel I need to do something, and that kind of that 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 feeling of doing something. I got to do something. 
is one that came up last night. Whether we're talking about politics and, and sportsman politics, whether we're talking about sportsman policy, um, there's this idea of I, I, I need to do something. And, and if I do something, it, it, it's going to be better. Sometimes it's I, I need to do something. I need to buy a new bow. Uh, I need I need to I need to get new I need to buy new arrows or I need to buy new broadheads or I need a new sight I, I need to, you know this this site is is only three you know five pin fixed sight but no I I need to get a I need to get a five pin slider okay I, I need to do so I need to shoot farther I need to shoot more I need to do I need to do more running I need to do more pushups I need to do more burpees I I need to I need to work out more I got to do something there I need this action. Because when you're doing action, it feels like you're making progress or, or you're doing something beneficial. I'm gu- Trust me, I'm guilty of this. How many of you, and this is where I see my life all the time, how many of you, you're driving your vehicle, you're in traffic, traffic all of a sudden there's like a semi slowdown, like there, there's something in front of you that starts to slow down traffic. You know, you can look ahead and you're like, all right, this slowdown is temporary. And if I just take a moment and just, just whatever, suck it up, I'll just, you know, cut, you know, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. I'll just take the, take the 15 minutes that it's, I, I've got to get through this accident or I've got to get through this construction or I got to get through this traffic jam or whatever. I'll, I'll get to where I need to go. Versus some of us, I'm, I'm guilty of it. We look around and we're like, screw I'm not freaking waiting on this. And so you bail and you take some surreptitious way around the damn accident. It takes you 20 minutes to get around it. It would have taken you 15 minutes to get through it if you just waited. But no, you've got to drive around through the track, whatever, to get around the damn thing. It took you 20 minutes to drive around it. But which one makes you happier? Exactly. I know exactly what you you're like. I'm gonna yes, I'm gonna drive around it. Why? Because I'm I'm driving. I'm moving. I'm I'm making forward progress. So it feels like I'm doing something better. You're not because you would have gotten there quicker or at the very at at, at the same at the same uh, token you would have got there at the same time anyway if you just waited. But no, 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 I, I, I need to go. I'm guilty. Of, driving is where I'm guilty of it. I'll be, I, here, perfect, perfect example. Perfect example. Today, coming home. Okay, so it's it's about a four and a half hour drive from my house to, to John's shop, okay? I'm driving and yeah, speed limit, let's just hypothetically say the speed limit is 65 or 75. And let's say hypothetically, completely hypothetically, I was driving, let's just randomly, hypothetically say, four or five miles an hour over the speed limit, okay? Hypothetically, not egregious. Hypothetically, just for example's sake, just push, the the old adage from the state patrol, I heard somebody say this from the state uh, state trooper said, four, if you're going to go more than the speed limit, four is fine, six is sketchy, nine you're mine. All right. So if you're four miles an hour over the speed limit, eh, whatever. 
six miles an hour over the speed limit. Mm, it's going to be up to the, the up to the trooper or the sheriff, the cop that day on how how grumpy of a day they're having and, and whether or not they want to fill out paper paperwork. But if you're doing nine over or more, you're you're toast. Or they're going to pull you over. So I always kind of keep that in mind because hypothetically, of course, because I'm the guy that gets pulled over like pulling out of a driveway and I, I accelerated too quickly. I, my wife drives everywhere like with a lead foot and she'll pass cops. Like cops will come the other way. There'll be cops that are on the, sitting on the side of the road and, and she'll come over there and they'll, they'll be doing paperwork or whatever and they don't even notice her. She'll just blow by them. Me? No. Hell no. Hell no. If I hit, hypothetically, five over, I, here come the here come the the blue you know, the light, lights blip, 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 yeah, pull over it's like goodness I, I got pulled over the last time I got pulled over was because I didn't drop literally I was coming out of town I clicked my high beams on because I was heading into the country sheriff came around the corner ooh I don't know if that came up or not but we almost lost our power we've got some thunderstorms rocking if you hear some banging and booming um it's because we've got some serious thunderstorms rolling we just had a massive lightning strike and and thunder boomer just hit right next to us it it killed all the power here real quick this is on battery so i've got this plug no it's not it's it's on a surge protector but it's not on a battery backup um Interesting. Sorry, I don't mean to. Uh... Huh. Yeah, we just lost some. Uh... Yeah, we just lost some power in town. We just lost just lost my Wi-Fi. Interesting. Let's see if this can. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna. I hope. I'm gonna keep recording here. If this kicks kills out, I'll, I'll obviously I'll I'll kick it back on here in a little bit. But okay, we got our Wi-Fi back. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So anyway, a lot of uh, thunderstorms rolling across here. Of course, we're not getting a lot of moisture out of. It. We're just getting some just vicious lightning, thunder. Had a little bit of hail earlier. Um, It'd be nice if we were getting a little bit more moisture. Over the past couple days, we've gotten about a half inch of moisture here at the house, and uh, some of the properties. One of the properties I'm working out, working on out east of my place, uh, about an hour and a half. I mean, they're just. I mean, I think he's since the last since I got everything sprayed. I think they've gotten at least two to two and a half inches of, of rain over several days, different storms. So I, I put together a seed mix. I know this is a, a little bit of a side, but I put together a seed mix talking about, you know, it's going to be a drought year and, and we need to plan ahead to having that drought. Hell, at this point, no way. I, I'm gonna go, I need to go in and adjust this seed mix because at this point, soil moisture on his property has got to be incredible. I, I don't think there's anything he can't grow this summer. Now, obviously, if it gets totally just brutally dry and, and hot later on, that's going to change some things. But right now, man... Um, we're, we're, we're getting some good rain and thank the Lord for that, man. I, I'm, I'm happy, but anyway, that's what just happened. So I don't know if that came through or not, but yeah, that, that touched down pretty darn cl- close to here. Um, 
there is flooding going on on some of the rivers and creeks, so hopefully it doesn't hit us too bad. But uh, anyway, um, sorry, that was, I was worried I, I might have just lost everything. Um, so anyway, the, the, the whole point of, you know, I'm, I'm driving back tonight, and I, I'm kind of pushing the, you know, hypothetically, pushing the limits of how fast I want to drive. And a vehicle in front of me is doing exactly the speed limit, like right on the Nats hind end, bing, doing the speed limit. Now, are you, if you're the type of person, hypothetically, of course, that would drive faster than the speed limit, and let's say purely hypothetically, you just want to go four miles an hour, you want to drive hypothetically 69 miles an hour in a 65 mile an hour zone. Are you the type of person to be like, ah, He's doing the speed limit. All right, I'll just, let, I'll, I'll slow down. I'll lag back, you know, give it me 10, 15, 20 car lengths. Just give me some space and then I'll just hit the cruise control and we'll just continue on. Or, 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 purely hypothetically, could you be like me, hypothetically, and go around the guy and then hit your cruise control at that hypothetical 69 miles an hour. Now, you can look in your damn rear view mirror and see the guy still sitting there. You're talking about four miles. In one hour, if you drove for an hour, you would only be four miles and four miles in front of the guy that you just passed. That's like, ir- if, if you're driving for 15 minutes, that's irrelevant. It's like, it's irrelevant. And I can tell you it's irrelevant because when you come up to it, you come into the town and you have to slow down and then you hit the stop sign or the stoplight, they're right behind you at the same stoplight. You didn't get anywhere, but you, what did you do? You felt, I want to go, my, I, I want to do, I want to go faster. I want to get there. Screw this. I'm going to go around the guy because why? Because it feels like I'm making better progress. You're not, not functionally. You know what I mean? So again, we had a bigger discussion about this, but everything from politics and and wildlife commissions to just doesn't matter. Everything all the way down through, there's, there's this idea that if I work harder, if I, if I'm doing, if I just quote unquote, do something, then I'm more productive and, and I'm making progress. It, you, there, the, the, there's a lot of people on social media now that are the kind of motivational, you know, type of folks that, you know, there's, there's productivity and there's activity. You can be active and you can be busy and not do a damn thing. I know I, I, I'm guilty of that. I, I will absolutely say I fall into that all the time where I am just busy as, as all get out. And then I realize I'm like, what the, I'm not actually moving the needle on anything. I'm just farting around. What the hell am I doing? Okay, so just because you feel like you need to do something doesn't actually mean you're actively moving the needle towards any sort of functional goal or or moving the needle on, in this case, your, your elk hunting success. So a lot of times I watch people in the preseason, for before season for elk season, they're just busy, busy shooting, busy hiking, busy running, busy fitness, busy bugling, busy, what you, they're busy. But are they learning? 
are are they actually gaining knowledge that's going to help them make better decisions in the field come hunting season? And sometimes that oftentimes, unfortunately, that answer is no. Um, and I and I've joked and it's 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 one of those jokes. You know, again, jokes are are sometimes the funniest when there's a lot of truth to them. And I've joked about the fact that. You know, in some of these places I've hunted, in some of the places I've guided, I can elk hunt in my slip-on loafers, my my elk, my my uh, morel. Uh, what are they? The 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 little slip-on mocks, the the little the slip-on shoes. I've literally worn them in Unit Nine, hiking around, walking around with a camera, elk hunting, like. There's places that you can hunt elk and it's not physically demanding. It's like really not. You can drive your vehicles pretty close. The terrain is easy and you can have a pretty decent gentleman's gentle, you know, gentlewoman's hunt if you want. Fitness all of a sudden becomes largely irrelevant. Especially for people that, you know, if if you're going to go with other people and you have assistance on the landscape with you. But even in those areas, though, you're not going to kill an elk unless either A, you know what the hell you're doing, or B, you just get lucky. You hope to get lucky. Hope is not a strategy. Okay? So sometimes, I'm not, I'm not discounting fitness. It absolutely is, is necessary. Okay? I'm feeling the effects of me getting myself out of shape and turning 50, and I'm like, I, like tonight, I, I was making dinner and doing dishes at the same time. And all of a sudden I'm like, what the, my right wrist. I'm like, what the hell did I do with my wrist? Like my wrist is just killing me. I'm like, what? I can't move. I'm like, what? I did nothing. I did not. I did nothing. (laughs) So obviously fitness is important, but knowing what the hell to do when you're out in the field or in some cases, what not to do. And that was kind of, what I focused on. Sometimes what not to do is, is more important than what to do. And, and knowledge, I think it's easy to feel like you're doing something when you're shooting your bow. It's easy to feel like you're doing something when you're doing more workouts per week than you had before, or or you're expanding your workouts. It feels like you're doing something. If you've constantly got a mouth diaphragm in your, in your mouth and you're bugling constantly, you're, you're, you're getting better at your bugling, you're better at your cow calls or whatever. when you're doing something like that active, it, it feels better. It feels like you are moving the needle. But when you sit down to what, and I don't care. Obviously, mine's my website is video based, so you're you're gonna sit down and you're either gonna watch it or you're gonna sit and listen to it. All right. Sitting watching videos, you're just sitting there. It doesn't feel like you're doing anything. And so I understand some of some have complained, not complained, but they've said it's been tough. You know, they'll watch a video here, video there, video here, video there, and that's fine. But when they sit down, they they kind of run out of patience. They 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 feel like they should be doing something. Well, understand if you're sitting at least on mine, and I and it's probably the same with Corey stuff or the Elk uh, Collective and all that type of stuff. I mean, sitting and watching stuff. Sometimes just doesn't feel like you're doing something. 
But I would argue just the opposite. You're probably doing something better. If you're actually watching and watching the videos that I put out, you're cons- you're listening to what I'm saying. You're watching the actual videos that I put out there and you're seeing what I'm seeing and what I'm talking about. And and you're you're engaged in it and you're 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 taking it into your brain and you're understanding it. That is going to pay massive dividends later on. All right. So it's not wasted time. I know a lot of you want to, you, you know, listen on, you know, you just basically, especially if you got good uh, kind of, you know, um, 5G, 4G connection, you know, in your vehicles, you can, you can log in on your, on your phone and you can just hit play and you can play and as you're driving down the road. Um, I'm going to talk about that here in a second. Um, but so you're doing something, you're driving, or maybe you're shooting your bow, or you're working out or whatever, and you're listening. That's good. That, that's good. Just listen, 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 and consume. Listen and consume. But the videos, sitting and watching the videos, it, sometimes I know it feels like you're not doing anything wrong. Learning, gaining knowledge, in my opinion, is probably even more important than any other physical doing that you could be quote unquote doing. Because if you learn some of the fundamentals and, and the stuff that I talk about, and you consistently are pulling elk inside of 20 yards, do you need to spend as much time practicing your your archery shooting out to 113, 123 yards or whatever? No, probably not. I'm not saying don't. Do you have to spend as much time shooting at that distance? No. 17, 14, 13, 14, 17, 20-yard shot. Okay, I can make that. If, and this was part of the discussion where, you know, and and Aaron and I uh, on KafaroCast have talked about this, where there's more people in the backcountry these days than there are behind the trailheads in many areas to where sometimes the elk are finding sanctuary closer to the trailheads nowadays rather than far away. Back in the, you know, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, the old adage was, you know, get at least a mile off the road and, and you'll find, you know, more animals. Well, hell, now you find more people beyond a mile down the trail. You'll find more people three, four, five, six miles in than you will oftentimes one mile in. And the elk learn that and they'll out darn well know it. So sometimes a lot of us are walking by elk to go find elk. If you know that and you have the skill set to call in pretty much any animal that you walk into and encounter, do you, I mean, some people want the, I understand, some people want the experience of the true backcountry experience. But for those that just want to fill a tag, and you don't even care if it's a, it's a legal 4x4. If you can kill that thing 100 yards beyond the trailhead, 100 yards from your truck, um, okay. At this point, do I need to run another 20 miles? See what I'm saying? I, I want you to be fit. I want you I want you to have fitness. I, w- I want you to, to work hard and, and have the ability to shoot your bow as far and wherever, you, and any angle and any distance or whatever that you want. But if you learn to 
maximize your efficiency. Some of all that work, that work harder, becomes extra stuff that you really don't quote-unquote need. I'm not minimizing it. I'm just saying there's a way that you can be more efficient in your actions on the landscape. And so, again, that's what I focus on, but knowledge is what gets you that efficiency. Knowledge is what gets you that efficiency. I don't care how far uh, you can shoot with your bow. If you can't get an elk in front of you in within that distance, it's irrelevant how good of a shot you are at 100 yards at a steep downhill angle. Unless you just want to shoot, you know, blue grouse, dusky grouse or whatever. Or if you just want to sh- stump shoot while you're out in the field, that's fine. It doesn't matter that you can go 12 miles back in and pack out 200 pounds of, you know, or 300 pounds of meat on your back if you can't figure out how to find an elk and put it in front of you in a position where you can actually make a, a good clean shot and put him on the ground. The only way that happens, again, is either luck or you develop the knowledge to understand what elk are doing, why they're, more important, what elk are doing, where are they doing it, and more importantly, why are they doing it. So don't feel like you're, just because you feel like you need to do something doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something beneficial and sitting down and watching videos and digesting the information that's in them. The, all of the stuff that's in them is massively beneficial and it is doing something. It's doing something that's going to help you with your efficiency on the landscape. Okay? So I know that, again, like I said before, there's some people that will get a hold of me and they're like, holy freaking hell, there's so much stuff in this 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 website i i just i just just tell me just tell me the the you know what like what 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 one thing or two things do i need to do it's not the one thing you need to do is to is carve out some time and sit down and go through everything and then the second thing you need to do is go through some of the lessons plan excuse me lesson plans and go back through some of the foundation principles and really make sure that you understand exactly what's going on and, again, why. So let me go through. For those that have asked also, um, there's a couple. I've had a couple questions come in, several, several, several questions come in regarding the website. All right, let me touch on those here in a minute. Number one, people have asked, is you know, can, you know, do we have or can we develop a standalone app that sits on your phone where all of this stuff just sits on your phone and then you don't have you can have it in camp you don't have to log in you don't have to have wi-fi connectivity and all that um for a multiple reasons no um the biggest one is there is so much the 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 amount of data that that would require on your phone given all the video and all the content that we've got here it'd never work. Uh, it would it would bog down. If you could even get it loaded on your phone, it would bo- it, just no way. No way. There's way too much stuff. And then the flip side is, is I'm sure someone out there could figure out a way to make an app to where it's a subscription base where you can log in, log out, blah, 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 that type of stuff. Um, at this time, 
the business model that we've chosen to do is not a, it's, it's not like buying a book to where here's the book, here's it all printed out and you buy that book and you take the book with you forever and ever and ever, amen, and, and you just, you can do whatever you want with that book. That's not, it's not how we have this set up now. It's not to say that we're not going to do that later on, maybe someday. Right now, we don't have that. So it is a subscription base to where you have an active subscription. You can log in. You can view whatever. I mean, we're constantly adding stuff to it, okay? So, um, and as it's added to it, you have immediate access. It, it, again, it's, an, it's, an, it's, a, it's essentially an online library card. We have built a library. You have unlimited access through your subscription in and out of those doors of the library. You can pull off any piece of information in, in book or whatever off the shelves of that library and you can consume it as much as you want. And then when your library card expires, well, then you either get another library card or you just wait until next season and then you get another library card and then you can come and go in that library. But during the entire time that you're a subscriber, if we're adding more books, we're adding more videos, we're adding more content to that library, well, of course you have access to it. All right. So no, right now we do not have a standalone app. Basically, I just tell people just log in. You, you've got your your Safari, or if you're an iPhone or whatever Safari. If you're on a, a Droid, you have a your Google or whatever, whatever internet browser you have on your phone. You can just open that baby up, log in to your uh, RHR account through that. And as long as you've got you know four G, three G will work in in some places. But if you've got four G or five G, you'll have no problem. Again, it's been optimized to be used on the mobile devices. Now, this one, this was a suggestion that came out last night, and, and I'm sure that other people have thought about this, but I'm going to see what I can do. Right now, um, as you play a video, it'll play. And then when the when the video's done, it stops, and then you it'll queue up the ne- the next video in that series will be right there below it and you just hit play on that and boom you play the next video and that video plays it's done it stops and then the next video is right there boom hit that one okay but there's the key boom hit it you're hitting it you you got to click on it so the question was is for those people that like to listen to the the to listen you go through the material um in the elk hunting institute elk module in their vehicle, having the ability for an autoplay where you just hit, it's like a playlist where every video in that, like, and I'm going to go through them here in a minute, but let's just say for argument's sake, um, every video in the foundation section, you know, you click on elk behavior and it plays all four of, well, no, there's more videos than that. Um, click on elk behavior and you just hit start, it's going to jump right through and it's going to hit the, you know, basics of elk behavior, go down through the see you first, the doorway, decoys in the doorway. And then when those are done, it automatically jumps over to factors affecting elk behavior. But I mean, it it immediately just starts playing those until you want to hit stop. Right now, that is, we don't have that, that, it's a great idea, and I'm going to see if we can't get it to where we can change it to where one when you hit play on a section, it just starts at the first video or the first audio discussion in that section and just plays them in order 
non-stop. So as soon as you're done with one video, it immediately cues up and plays the next one. Immediately cues up and plays the next one. So that way you can listen. You can even though they're video based, and you, you don't watch the video while you're driving down the damn road. But you can have the phone sitting off to the side of you over here, and you can literally be playing essentially the Elk module on your phone on your device through your car speakers. And you can be listening to it as you would, if you if you will, like a podcast. I'm gonna see if we can't do something about that. I'm gonna see if we can't make a change. We have we we've got we're deal we we're dealing with multiple different uh, computer interfaces. Vimeo, uh, our uh, our web hosting. I need to figure out where the best place to to try to figure that out and do that is. It may, maybe there's something in Vimeo now that that'll allow that. I don't know because I I hope I'm praying that it's not. A, if if it's if it's based on how it's built in the website, oh. Kelly is the mastermind behind our web. Yeah, we're getting good rain right now. Kelly is the mastermind behind all of our web stuff and and the web designer and and she does all the magic on the the website. So with her work schedule now, that might be a pain in the butt. I don't even know if she'd want to even dive into it, um, given all the things that she's trying to juggle right now. But anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that because I think it would be a, a valuable benefit. Um, and then let's do that a minute. So I've had people asking me, are like, so okay, well, so what's in it? Uh, you can go and you can get a, a feel for it, but let's go down through what we're talking about when I when I talk about the different, you know, I, like the last podcast I said, there's different rooms in this library. Well, what do you mean? Okay. So what I'm talking about is when you click, when you look in the elk module, you're going to, the, the, one of the first ones is the elk hunting forum. So we've got a forum on there to where people can ask Q and a and dive into some of these concepts and, and there's good engagement there. But when you start jumping in the first, one of the first parts is getting started. All right. You click on getting started and I encourage every new subscriber to do so. You get, click on getting started and all of a sudden you're going to be Here's another menu of different videos. The first one is my philosophy. Like, wh- what is my calling philosophy? H- how did I get to? How do I? How did I develop my idea? My my ideology around calling. My philosophy around calling. It actually matters. It's relevant because I think it overlaps a lot of what some of you are doing and and your uh, limitations on time. And what you can do is in, in wanting to maximize your efficiency, especially when we're talking about hunting public ground, over-the-counter units. And, and again, this is going to be a bigger discussion uh, later on, but um, Western hunting is not what it's going to... What Western hunting of the past is not going to be... I, 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 think, I think the Western hunting of the future, let's just put it that way, is not going to be the same as Western hunting of the past. I, I think we're going to, we're, we're, it's going to be drastically different. It's going to be more difficult. And so they're under my philosophy. It, it goes through, okay, why did I develop my ideas and, and how I came to these understandings of, of what I'm doing and, and why? And there's a lot of overlap there. So there's a video on my philosophy. The next one is, does it matter? Now, this one you can actually watch. Anybody wants a really good idea of what the Elk module has without having to pay for the Elk module, here you go. Go to YouTube. Go to Row Hunting Resources YouTube channel and then search Mastering, uh, yeah, jeez, Ma- I just lost the name. What is it? Mastering Your Elk Calling. Here, let me just dumb it. Click on it, Row. Dun-dun-dun. 
Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, basically, it's mastering your elk calling. Does it really matter? Um, is the 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 title of the video? I think that's what it is. I just lost it here because we've got power flickering again. That's not that doesn't bode well. So, does it really matter? Mastering your elk calling does it really matter? Okay, you can find that on my YouTube channel. It's about an hour long discussion. But there's a lot of good examples in there. And it goes through right down to the core of why I, be- why I believe what I believe. And why I talk about what I talk about. Why I focus on what I focus on. So you can go to YouTube and, and get a good handle of who the heck I am and, and what I'm going to be talking about in, in this website. But then from there, there's from just a getting started, there's a beginner's lessons plan. If you want a shortcut version and you don't have a lot of time, get, click, and you're just starting out, just click on the beginner's lesson plan. And it'll go through my suggestions. If you're just getting started and you, you you don't want to drink from the fire hose and you just want to learn a couple little things, here's a handful of, of videos to watch to just get started. If you're an experienced elk caller and you, you're like, man, I don't need to go through all this crap and I, I just want to know, okay, I might disagree with you, but there's an experience lesson plan. All right, if you think you know all the things that you need to know and you just want to glean some other stuff, here's a... Here's a handful of videos. Go watch these, start there, and then see exactly what you think beyond that. There's in that getting started section, there's also short courses. I've got one on early season pre-rut bulls. And that because everybody asks, well, okay, everybody talks about hunting in the rut, but what about the folks that hunt in, say, Utah in August, before the rut's even going? Pre-rut bulls. All right. Let's talk about that. So I have a complete discussion on how, what do we deal, what do we, what do we want to do if we're dealing with pre-rut animals that aren't even, aren't even thinking about breeding at the moment. I mean, they might be thinking about it, but they're not under the influence of any estrogen uh, cycling pheromones in the landscape. Okay, so there's an uh, there's an entire lesson plan on that, and then people all the time ask. Well, okay, every, you know, everybody focuses on calling bulls, but what if I want to call cows? What if I have a cow tag? What if I have a late season guy? I've got an entire lesson in there about, on a short course, on just calling cows, all right? So that's just under the getting started section, just to get get you primed, to get you, you know, here's where we're going and here's how to kind of make sense of some of this stuff, all right? Because after that, you jump into the foundation principles, okay? So that's the next main heading. So in one room, if you will, quote unquote, you got the getting started and you can explore all the stuff that's all the videos and all the information that's in that room. And when you're done with that, or if you just are bored with that, you can go to the next room and the next big header is the foundation principles. That's where you're going to get the meat, the meat and potatoes of a lot of this. So you click on foundation and it's going to bring up another menu of five different sub chapters and sub rooms, if you will. The first one being elk behavior. You want to learn about elk behavior, you click on elk behavior. There are four, no. You've got four different topics there. And basics of elk behavior is separated. There's three different videos that talk about the basics of elk behavior and why elk do what they do, how they do it, when, where, all all the the background of, of what they do and why. You got factors affecting elk behavior. That we we go into. That's a long discussion about all sorts of things that uh, environmental things and and human things that all things that affect the behavior. 
let alone you trying to hunt them, what, what things on the landscape will affect that behavior and possibly throw a monkey wrench into your hunt plans based on all sorts of extraneous, extraneous factors going on within the elk world between elk with other elk, elk in their habitat, elk with predators, elk with uh, weather patterns going on, drought, rainy, all that type of stuff, okay? Next one, elk psychology. That was a, a presentation I did and it goes in. We, we start talking about, this is where I really spend some time talking about elk psychology, how they think, uh, dive into personality and the bell-shaped curves on, on what type of elk you're going to probably re- be running into. Um, but there's an entire video on elk psychology. The next one in the behavior one is rethinking the rut. Now, the rethinking the rut discussion is at what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. I think it's eight. I'm running out of room on my. Hold on. Bum, 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 bum. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, seven part. But well, I think we combined. We combined two of them. But anyway, there's seven different videos that dive into everything from initial considerations of the rut, annual cycles of elk, factors affecting annual cycles, weather, herd dynamics, and habitat changes, influence on estrus timing, the influences uh, on and of bulls, and then that's where we I consolidate a bunch, and then basically using all that information on how do I, how do you pick apart the rut and 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 really every if if you are the type of person that wants to focus on playing to testosterone and playing to elk in the rut you better darn well watch that series because there's all sorts of things that will affect cows cycling into estrus um and oftentimes a lot of those factors will will pull cows into estrus early not late so that's just under elk behavior. So you got seven, you got seven there, eight, nine. No, that was my mistake. I clicked on it. I didn't want to click on it. Nine, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, 10, at least, no, sorry. 10, 10 different videos just on under elk behavior. Then the next room in there is cow elk vocalizations. We talk about the vocalizations and there's not there's at least nine or ten of those videos there on cow vocalizations. Next level discussions. We talk. There's a video there. I'm gonna have some more of those. So there's ten or eleven in depth videos just on cow vocalizations right there. The next room is bull vocalizations. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten different chapters there to where you can jump in and you, and they're broken out into three different videos each. So, you know, what is it? How do they react to, you know, how do you reproduce them and how do we use it in the field? That way you can you can dissect this information a little bit easier and and hone in on exactly what you want to le- learn. But that's just on bull vocalizations. Cow elk calls. Again, we this is calls, like the physical calls you blow on or you squeeze or whatever. How, how do you use these calls? Mouth diaphragms, open rate. So yeah, we got mechanical calls, the ones that you push with your hand, manual calls, bite and blow calls, mouth diaphragm calls, open rate style calls. I go through all of those and and give my two cents on how to make, how to be the most efficient caller, how to use them and how to be the most efficient caller with them that you can. And then there's a whole series on bull, elk, bugles, and tubes. Same thing, breaks that all down. 
That's just on their foundation principles. All right. You get a handle on that. You're, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's going to fundamentally shift your understanding about elk and elk vocalizations, communication, behavior, and how you're going to actually engage them in the, in the field each fall with the calls that you want to use. Guaranteed. Okay. And once you, once you're done with all those, there's the main room that's called the recognition. And that's where we break it out into the gallery. You've heard me talk about the gallery and real elk sounds that I've done with Jay Scott, Jay Scott Outdoors. Okay. The gallery is a whole piss pile of videos of just videoing elk doing elk engaging other elk outside of any influence of hunting whatsoever. There's some video from summer. There's some video from early fall. There's some stuff in there from late fall. And there's some stuff in there from the winter. So you get to see what elk are doing year-round, engaging one another. You get to see who's engaging who. You get to see or whom, and you can see who's vocalizing. What are they saying? You know, you can hear the vocalization that they're giving. Who are they directing it to? Who's responding? Who's not responding? Okay? And it's, it's if you want a, a tool to practice your calling... I have the, I talk about the, the best teacher is the elk themselves. Sit, sit down or play it in your vehicle. I don't care. Sit down and watch cows vocalizing. Sit down and watch and listen to bulls bugling and practice with it. But don't just use it on that surface level. Pay attention to what cow is vocalizing. What is her body position? What is her body language saying? Who is she looking at and who is she directing her calling to? And when she's calling, who's responding and who isn't? When the bulls are bugling, what is he saying? What type of bugle is he giving? Who else is bugling? Who's not bugling? And when someone bugles back, who does he? Who does the the folk? The, there there might be a focal bull on the on that video. There, we're looking at one particular bull. Who does he respond to, and who does he ignore? And though of those animals, what type of bugles were they giving? All of this stuff allows you to just absolutely pick apart the behavior, and the fundamental communications and vocalizations of these animals to better be more efficient in your efforts out there in the field. And then the real elk sounds is the exact same thing, except a lot of this footage is Jay Scott, his his footage that he has. And then Jay and I are sitting and talking about it, going through the context, what's going on here, do it, this, that, and the other thing. And then, I mean, so there's, what was there? I mean, uh, there's an introduction. Okay. So then there's cow bugles, one, two, three, four, five, six. There's at least six different videos right there. And I know Jay, I, I've talked to Jay before. We're going to, we're going to try to do some more of those. Okay, and add them in this summer. So the recognition gives you the, uh, once you go through the foundation principles, the recognition section allows you to just watch it and listen to it and and apply, just be able to go, oh, that was that and this was that and that was that and this is that and I'm going to practice here and I'm going to try to mimic that and oh, this is what Chris means when a cow vocalizes with her mouth open and that's what it sounds like versus when a cow vocalizes but she keeps her mouth shut and she sends all that sound out through her nasal cavity Ah, that's what it looks like. That's what it sounds like. Okay? You get to see it. I put an elk in front of you. All right? Then, like I said before, the application section. All right? This is the sexy. 
This is the part where everybody wants to jump to. And I'm telling you, obviously, it's your library card. You can do whatever you want. You can start in the bathroom if you want. I, I don't even care if you poke around the break room. I don't care. It's your, you, you have full access to this library. I'm telling you, you're, you, will, you are better served if you start at the beginning and you go from room to room. You go from getting started, then you go to the foundation, then you go to recognition, and then once you get through those and you really have a good understanding of some of this, then go to the application section. Application section, what do you mean? Applying these ideas and principles in the field. The application of these ideas and principles out in the field, and that's what it is. I'm calling elk to the camera. Whether it's a hunting scenario or whether oftentimes it's not. I'm, I'm either scouting or I'm out with some, and we're calling elk and it's not an elk that we want to kill. So I'm going to call the elk in and let him go. Okay. But we're, I'm calling elk, call him to my toes, right? For me, yeah, there's sometimes where the bull stops out there, maybe, you know, 40 yards or whatever. Okay. You know, if he's wide open, he gives me a shot opportunity. All right. That it's a call in, I guess. For me, mine is 20 and under. I, I, I like the 20 and under. It, for me, a call in at least 30. But like my wheelhouse, my value set, I like them 20 and under. Okay, You're going to see a bunch of that in those videos. And some of the videos are six, seven minutes long. Others, minute, or others are 67 minutes long. Okay, And I try to not edit out a lot of the good content because sometimes the, the important thing is if I'm setting up on a bull and I'm starting to, a calling sequence... If the bull is hot and he's bugling at everything anyway, I, those are usually easy elk. And you can call them in using foundation principles like 99.98% of the time. 108 is a video in there. And it took six minutes, I think six or seven minutes from the first time I heard him to he's standing seven, ten, I don't remember how close he was, under under 15 steps in front of the camera. I mean, he was hot. He was right now. But then there's other ones that took an hour to get in front of the camera. I want you to see that so that you know how patient I am if I'm moving positions or if I'm just staying put. What elk start drifting into the setup? Who comes in first? Who comes in later? How did the older mature bulls come in versus the younger bulls, etc.? Okay? And, and this is the section that I'm adding to all the time. I've got several of them that I need to add uh, for this summer as well. But you've got in the, the application section, the calling strategies. People ask, you'll hear me talk all the time about a passive strategy. And if you have the Elk Hunter Strategy app, that is an app that goes on your phone. You can go to the Apple, you know, you can go to your uh, app store or um, Google Play or whatever where you get your apps, you could type in Rowaning Resources Elk Hunters Strategy app. It'll sit on your phone. It's a it's a tool under this section here. But you'll hear me talk about passive strategies, targeted strategies, and, and aggressive strategies, calling strategies. Well, I've got an entire section here, introduction to the strategies. I talk about what I'm doing, why, why the focus on, on some of these different stuff, calf vocalizations, talking about that in depth. And then calling strat again, calling strategies for cows. If I if I just have a cow tag, or if you're going to be late season, or if you just need to sucker cows out of a group, or whatever, I don't care. But there's an entire series, there's an entire video of, of that as well. You jump in the strategies and action section. There's I don't know how many hours of videos there. 
Next level discussions. This is where I dive in. This is like I said, the last night, the guy asked a, a question about quartering two shots. I've got a two part series in here. That's almost two hours long going into incredible depth on coming to full draw, pausing, stopping elk, not stopping elk or letting them step on their own frontal shots, quartering two shots, the whole nine yards. Um, using chuckles to stop bulls versus cow calls to, or whistles to, to stop bulls and then satellite bulls or herd, herd bulls. There, there's all sorts of information. And then, like I said, the Elk Hunters Strategy app is an app that you can buy and get and put and download on your phone. However, if you don't care about having it on the phone, but you'd like to play around with scenarios and learn about different scenarios and, and the behavioral connotations about different things, it is a part of the elk module. And so in the application section, excuse me, there is the Elk Hunter Strategy app. You can click on that and you have, there it is, boink. It's Now, it's on your computer. You have to log in to use it. It's not a standalone on your phone like the other one is. But regardless, the entire tool, massive 600 and some odd, I think there's 600 different scenarios in that thing that goes through. It's right there. It's right there. And then... Beyond that, you can go to the extra section. I talk, And this is where just miscellaneous stuff that we talk about. People ask about all the time, locating elk. Going out and prospecting, locating elk. There's an entire discussion, several videos on that. Through the seasons, that's hunt. That's just enjoyable hunts that I've, that I've shared of mine. Um, there's some really good lessons there in there as well, but the through the seasons videos are in there. Um, the straight shot, audio, the straight shot Q&A. These are just Q and these are questions and answers that people have asked. I'm going to be adding some more of that uh, this year. So these are Q and A that people add. You know, oh, late August materials, fire and elk, calling strategy for cows, calling Roosevelt elk, maintaining continuity in your calling versus breaking it. You know, changing it up, hydration versus sense control, preferred elk forage. Now this is one that I'm going to be diving into a little bit more this year. I've got a bunch of video that I took last year of elk forage in different habitats, uh, showing what I focus on, looking for what what I know is good elk food versus what is worthless elk food. So if you're going into a meadow and you're like, oh my gosh, or you're scouting, you've looked on a map, or, you know, say you're looking at satellite images or Google Earth or whatever, Google Earth or satellite images somewhere else like Go Hunt or something, um, and you see meadows, you know, you in the timber, it looks like there's an open patch and there's meadows there. Okay, well, based on the terrain, based on the elevation, based on the habitat type that you're in, those meadows might be full of good stuff or those might be just full of crap. And so I kind of go through that a little bit and I talk about it on video showing you the vegetation in some of these openings so you can kind of see, ah, this is what vaccinium looks like. This is what kinnikinnik looks like. Okay, skip those. Here's what fescue looks like. Here's what bluegrass looks like. Here's blah, blah, blah. All these other things that, you know, all the things that you want to know about for your scouting, I've got those videos that I'm going to be building this summer to add to this uh, this section. And then elk in the alpine. What do we do for elk when we're up in the alpine? Because sometimes um, it's a little different. Um, it's you got such open habitat. And quite honestly, elk in the alpine actually has a lot of trans. It, it, it correlates really good to elk in just generally wide open habitats. You could probably you know lump in the uh, Missouri breaks in some of this as well. So, um, and then yeah, draw on your belt. Yeah, so some of this is overlap, uh, and then 
I've got a list of some of the podcasts that I've done for elk hunting. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot in there. There's a lot of material. So, yes, I understand it seems overwhelming. And it seems like if you're just going to sit down and just start watching this stuff that you're just kind of not doing something. I'm telling you, your brain is working. You can't see your brain. Maybe you can't feel your, well, you get a couple hours in on one night, you're going to feel your brain. You're, yeah, you're going to feel your brain. Your brain's going to hurt you. You're going to be like, I need to take a break. That's fine. You're exercising your brain, okay? Just like the rest of your body, just like you're shooting, exercise your brain. There's a lot of stuff in there for you, all right? So I hope that, so for the people that were asking about that, that's why I just went through. I, I hope that answers a lot of questions about what is in the elk module. What do I focus on? I, I don't focus a lot on, on equipment. I, I That's not my wheelhouse. If you want to, if you want to dive in and just nitpick and just pick apart equipment, that is where I will kick you all over to Aaron Snyder. I will kick you over to Aaron. I will kick you over to Bill Vanderheiden. I will kick you over to, I mean, hell, Dan Staten does a good job on some of that stuff as well. Um, if you want to, to go all in on scouting, um, I will answer questions and I, and I could talk about it, but Quite honestly, I, I told Mark Livesey this. Uh, Livesey this. Um, I go to Treeline Academy, get his subscribe to his product, his educational materials, and his course. It's incredible. I I would much rather pick if you have an in depth scouting question. Now I will help you. I will give you another set of eyes. I I, I told you what I, I've been doing that for years now. If you want to sit down and go one on one through your hunt plan, and we want to pick apart, you know, Go Hunt maps and Google Earth maps and Onyx and everything else, and you want to go, we I will go through that thing and we will pick it apart eight ways from Sunday. But if you want just to learn how to do it, go to Mark's site. He does a phenomenal job. Why am I going to, why would I try to reinvent, why would I try to do something and compete with somebody? That's not my passion. That's not my wheelhouse. That is his passion. That is his wheelhouse. Go to him, right? Go to him. He's, it's, it's an awesome resource. It's an awesome resource. So my wheelhouse is behavior. My wheelhouse is vocalizations. Mine is communication. And how to put all that information on the ground, in the field, in the most efficient manner and put an elk on the ground. That, that, that's, that's my wheelhouse. That's my focus. All right. That is what the Elk Hunting Institute is about. That's what the elk module has. All right. All right. Um, let me see. I guess we don't have to spend all night on it. I mean, I don't have to make every podcast three hours long. There was a, I think I mentioned this before. Yeah, I don't need to mention it again. Yes, I know I'm long-winded. Sorry, deal with it. It's baked into the cake. That's part of it. That's the frosting. You know, that's the that's the tasty frosting you get with my cake. My, my long-windedness. All right. You know what? Yeah, I will. I was debating on whether I want to touch on it, but but I will because I think I think it I think it. There's a lot of pe. Okay, so now that we know, a lot of the Western states are starting to announce 
um, draw results. Colorado just started posting their draw results, and, and people are knowing whether they got their tag or not. Um, and there seems there's there is an increasing trend. It seems like that people are starting to dump preference points. They're tired of waiting for some of these premier units that they just can't seem to 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 catch. You know, at the point creep every year in some of these states, just you're adding a half a point every year or a point every year, and it's just like I'm never going to catch it. So screw it. I'm I'm done holding out hope. You know that I'm gonna by the time I draw the tag, I'm gonna have 87 points, and I'm gonna be dead. You know, in my casket, and I'm never gonna be able to use them. So screw it. I'm just going to dump it on these mid-tier units, just burn my points, and then I'll, I'll just branch out and go other places and explore other things. Because, again, Western hunting is is quickly not, is becoming something completely different than what it used to be. Now, there was a previous discussion um, and I think Josh Benton is the one that, that brought this up, and he made a good point that I know what I I have lived through several decades of elk hunting and I know what I experienced back in the 90s and early 2000s and those experiences were epic and those experiences are what I judge my quality of hunt off of every year because I know in the back of my mind I remember what it used to be I remember what it could have been or what it was and while I may be jaded where I I go out in the field and I I have a particular season and I encounter certain elk or certain activity or I don't or whatever and I and I and I judge it off and I and I I match it up to what my memory of the good old quote-unquote good old days was I may be jaded in the fact that, okay, this year didn't match up to what I have experienced in the past. However, somebody new hunting who doesn't have any body of memory, other experiences to pull from, this actually may have been their best year that they've ever had. So it was it was awesome for them. So it's the same exact environmental conditions, same exact area on the map, same exact encounters with the elk, but I'm I am judging that encounter from a completely different experience and quite honestly a completely different value set. And so it, it's hard I don't want to sound when I say western hunting is not going to be the future of western hunting is going to be drastically different than what it has been. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be bad. I don't know if it'll be bad. It's just going to be different. I mean, you look at Colorado right now. We, we, the number of units that are, I mean, one by one, we are having over-the-counter units fall into limited draw hunting. Why? Because the demand for hunting, quality hunt experience is going up. And more and more people are, are out in the field. And so, and this is one that, that the discussion that came up last night as well. You know, the, the whole discussion between are we actually seeing less hunters? Are there less hunters buying tags these days, or or are we increasing the number of of hunters in the field each year? Are, are we decrease? Is hunter are hunter numbers decreasing, or are hunter numbers hunter numbers growing? This is where you know what, what I don't remember who said it, but um, you know 
facts are pesky. Statistics are pliable. You know, the statistics around this can be played with. So if we're talking about the percentage of people that hunt in the overall population of the United States, I could say, okay, maybe our numbers are decreasing. If we're talking about the physical number of license sales each year, that's where I think it depends on the state. And I, and I don't know what the trend is. I, I, last I heard, the trend was ticking up, you know, but then again, there's other people like, no, 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 it's not, blah, blah. You know what? Quite honestly, I don't even know if I care because I truly believe that the number of serious hunters is drastically increasing from historical. Because I know talking with some old timers in multiple different states, you always hear about people, you know, the baby boomers when they were younger and they're, you know, you know, all these people, oh yeah, everybody, you know, bought a hunting license. There was, there was, you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of more hunting licenses sold back in the day, blah, 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 blah. But I also remember talking with some of those folks that they would just buy a hunting license because ah, that's just what you did. Ah, who knows? I might I might be out on the tractor or whatever. I might see a deer. Ah, so I just get a hunting license. You just go buy one, and it was just something that you carried around in your pocket because yeah, it's like it was like a handkerchief. You just put it in your pocket. If you need it, you got it. If you don't, oh well, no big deal. I'm going to buy a hunting license. But how many of those people were actually diehard hunters that were actually out there just grinding it out in the field? Not, I, I'm going to argue, not as many. I remember growing up. I remember watching my grandfather. I remember watching my uncles. I mean, I, I come from a very, very large family on my mom's side, uh, my stepmom's side. And everybody had a hunting license. But many of my uncles would only go hunting on Thanksgiving when we would do the family deer drive and we we you know this is upstate new york and the finger lakes region rolling hills farmland and and timber pockets and we would just go on a deer drive and that was that was the family tradition on thanksgiving you'd do a deer drive and some of my uncles that bought a hunting license that's that that's literally that's it that's what all they, they they would buy a hunting license so they could go walk it and they would do the deer drive my grandfather would have a hunting license every year and i think i saw him out there twice growing up so there was a lot of licensed sales of people. But we but growing up, I know that I didn't see a lot of people out in the field. I didn't run into a lot of people in competition. I remember when turkey hunting got, you know, really going in New York. I remember when we first my uh, Tom and uh, my uncle Tom, you you know if you've listened to me, you he he's the uncle that we went out hunting with his son, my nep- my cousin um, and he first elk kills this freaking absolute tank of a giant 356 bull. Um, so Tom and I were, we grew up more best friends. And, and I remember when we first started, there was no one. We would go hurt. We'd go turkey hunting and like have the, all the public land to ourselves. There might be like one other person out there. It was awesome. And then by the time I got ready to graduate high school, and I think actually I went to college and came back home one spring, there was a hand, there was there were more people. The turkey hunting started getting popular, and there was more and more people in the woods. Likewise, when I moved to Colorado and I was in Fort Collins, I was hunting turkeys west of Fort Collins. 
I remember starting my turkey hunting up there and I would never see another boot, a set of boot tracks. And then all of a sudden, here's another one, one year, here's another set of boot tracks. I was, I was the second person in. I'm like, holy how, what the heck? Who's here? How'd they, how'd they find about, I mean, it was like this big thing. Like, oh my gosh, there's a person on my little chunk of real estate that I know about where these birds are. Now you try to go up there. Good luck. Good luck. Likewise, uh, I'm looking at him right now in the studio. My biggest bull to date, he's hanging up above me. Giant, 12-year-old bull. You know, he busted off his left main beam uh, after his third. Just a gargantuan, giant old bull. I killed that bull on opening week of archery season on public land. And for the first nine days of season, I was the only vehicle at the trailhead. I had the entire valley and and ridgeline complex to myself. 2002, I never, now, I had to come and go in and out of there for a little bit for my buddy's wedding, but I never saw another soul, not another vehicle in the parking lot. None. Other years, good luck. You're not going to even get in there to, to, to park. It's just, it's packed to the gills with people on horseback and outfitters in there and every, just it's it, it's a zoo. So the thing that I think when when we when part of the discussion last night was, you know, are we losing hunters or do we have more hunters? I think the biggest thing that I see today is anybody that goes out and buys a hunting license, the vast majority of people that go and physically consciously buy a hunting license are serious about actually going out into the field and using that sucker. I think the vast majority of people are out there that are buying hunting licenses are diehard, serious people, people that are going to go out and put in the time. Which means even though if we may have fewer physical numbers of people that hold a license in their pocket, we have more people picking apart the landscape and grinding it out in the field. That's just my opinion. And I think everybody else can see the trends of, on, I mean, the hunter satisfaction surveys, the fact that we have limit, over-the-counter units being converted into limited entry units because the demand and the, and the, the uh, hunting pressure in those areas is so great that either hunt quality is going down to where the public starts screaming or elk harvest starts being affected, whether positively or negatively, to where the agency has to shut down some of the hunting pressure in this area just to make sure that the elk stay within herd objectives and the harvest doesn't get too great. So I say all that to say there's now that some states are starting to notify, you know, you you, you know, you figure out whether you drew a tag or not, especially like like I said, Colorado just started posting. There was a discussion about just basically disgruntled, just not happy with, if you kind of take a look at, you know, Colorado is still one of the states where you can just go and buy an over-the-counter license. And there's a lot of places that you can go in the state and and hunt elk over-the-counter public ground, okay? You're going to be covered up, asshole the belly button in many places, but by a bunch of people. But you still have the ability to just literally drive out of your driveway, drive to Colorado, 
Um, what the heck? I just got a notification. No, we're just going to keep on. We're going to keep on plugging on. Drive to Colorado. Pull into a Walmart. Buy a license. Drive to a trailhead. Walk up the hill and go hunt. But more and more units are being so that we, you know, the southwest part of the state went limited draw, and then everybody bumped over to the middle south portion. Well, those just went limited draw, which I'm sure this year is going to puke out a bunch of a lot of those hunters. What if a bunch of those hunters are not going to stop hunting? They're just going to go hunt somewhere else. So they're going to dive into all the adjacent, you know, public land areas. They're going to saturate the ever living bejeebas out of those places. So it's just one after the other, after the other, after the other. These units are going to start seeing changes on access or, or license availability. Idaho, we've I talked with Rob Patuto of Stickbow Chronicles on this podcast about Idaho and the changes in Idaho. That's probably not going to change. That's that's not going to change. I mean, they're going to continue that model, and it's probably going to get more restrictive. You know, you talk about Utah, Utah still has those over-the-counter spike bull tags, but as more and more people get sick and tired of dealing with the the, the rat race around, are, are more and more people going to start piling into Utah just to just to go and fill a tag with on a spike or whatever? Well, how sustainable is that going to be over in the long term? I, I just, I, I've had this discussion before. I just don't see, I don't see a long-term future for over-the-counter hunting in the West. We the demand is too great from a hunting standpoint. So the discussion came up with, okay, well, what the hell? Because not only is it just a pain in the butt because we, you know, all of these areas, you know, we have changes within a state. But the problem, you know, you also you look at you know you look at how New Mexico manages their license elk license sales, resident versus non-resident. And then Wyoming made some changes for their non-resident versus resident stuff, which pissed a bunch of people off. Colorado make, is making changes, but it's a completely different set of changes. Arizona has its own thing going on down there. Montana, it's got its own thing. Just I mean, like weird, all sorts of different. Uh, it just Montana can get confusing eight ways from Sunday. Idaho's doing what they were doing, and so the the frustration was like, good lord, I. Not only am I not happy with what's going on in, in the state that I normally hunt because there's so many damn things changing there, but when I try to look at another state, it, it just makes no sense. And then, you know, they, they, they're hostile towards non-residents and, and it's, it's not, whether it's not fair or whether it's not, whatever. There's just this angst about what the hell's going on out west and why don't we have more of a streamlined, universal, essentially a blanket kind of a strategy across the West just to make it easier on everybody. And then the, then the, the, the infamous mind that what I love to poke at North American model, wildlife conservation, you know, hunting is conservation, blah, 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 blah. This is, you know, that, you know, why don't, why don't we see something better? Why, why, why don't we have people doing, you know, our agency folks doing better? Why don't, why don't we have something better on the landscape and, and more, and to the gist, the, 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 the gist of the statement was, why don't we have a more uniform elk strategy across the West and then have more uniform elk regulations, more uniform elk opportunities, more uniform uh, non-resident strategy, all that type of stuff. Well, right off the bat, if, we, if we're going to, and there was, there was 
I mean, there's people that that they are they're they're non-residents and some residents that are discre- you know in Wyoming that are not happy. You got people that are not happy about Wyoming. You got people that are not happy about Colorado. You got people not happy about Montana. You got people not happy happy about Idaho. And 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 in that mix everywhere is is the non excuse me the non-resident. Well, I understand that, but here's the thing that we all have to keep in mind: if we are going to if we are going to sing the praises of the North American model of wildlife conservation, what is one of the tenets of that model? The wildlife of the state is managed for who? The people of the state. The people of the state. It does not say that the the number, and this, this is part of a larger discussion, but it does not say it's managed for the sportsmen of the state. It says the people of the state. It's not even. It doesn't even say that it's managed for the commission, the wildlife commission of the state, or it's or it's managed for the at the pleasure of the governor of the state. No. It's managed for the people of the state, all people of the state. That does not say the people of other states. So you first and foremost, under the North American model of wildlife conservation, if you have a bit uh, uh, as a non-resident hunter, you have an axe to grind against what Wyoming or New Mexico or Colorado or Idaho or Montana or any other state is doing. Well, sorry to tell you, but um, you have a voice in so far as you. If you're buying licenses or buying tags or whatever, spending if you're spending money in that state, okay, okay, all right, you have you have some skin in the game, and I'm sure you have a a, a, a modicum of voice at the you know commission level and at the agency level, but they're not there to manage for you. That wildlife is not is not being managed. For you, per se. It's being managed for the people of the state. And the state agency has deemed we can make more money off of license sales by offering a premium to people who don't live here. We will sell a license to an outsider, but that outsider needs to pay ungodly, you know, a hundred times more or more, 200 times more than what? No, 200 times? No. I'm not even going to try that math. Several hundred dollars more than the resident hunter has to. But at any time, the non-resident hunter is allowed the privilege of hunting in that state at the behest of the agency or, or at the at the graces of the Aegis agency that manages that state that is made up with, uh, oftentimes led by a director, led by a wildlife commission that is appointed politically by a governor who is elected by the people of the state. 
the agency director is not voted in by sportsmen and you know resident and non-resident hunters. They're appointed by the governor. The governor is elected by the people of the state. So the state is supposed to be supposed to be managing the wildlife, all wildlife in the state borders for the people of the state. Now the question came up: Well, what about waterfowl? Why do we, you know we have you have federal regulations for waterfowl? Okay, different story. Waterfowl go from Canada across several states and then down into Mexico. So you've got three different countries. How many different provinces? How many different states? How many different? Um, yeah, I think I think Mexico is still a state. Sonora, or, or I mean, uh, yeah, versus yeah, I think there's states in Mexico, aren't they? Anyway, those same ducks are are traveling across all of that. So because of that wide range, the same animal. It's not. It's it's part of a flyway. It's it's all part of a population. But it's the same animal crossing all that type of stuff. Elk don't do that. Yes, we can talk about migratory corridors and we can talk about overlapping animals between the southern boundary of of Wyoming into the northern area of Colorado. But you don't have elk going from Montana or southern, southern Canada down to Arizona and then back each year and being at risk of hunting throughout the whole... You don't have that. You have localized populations within each state. So it's a different it's a different ball game. It's, it's it's apples and oranges, all right? So we can be grumpy about what a state does. And I and I now I'm 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 a non-resident. So I'm in that I'm in that pool. Yeah, I spent a lot of money. I have spent a lot of money in Colorado uh over the over the decades and especially since I've moved out here in Kansas. I spend money in Arizona. I spend money in Wyoming, but I know that I really have no say in any of those states anymore. All right. Um, it is what it is. And the other flip side was, is I said, okay, so that if you, if you want to stand on the North American model of wildlife conservation, that's what it is. The states manage the state's wildlife. A couple things. Number one, it's all the people of the state. It's not the sportsmen of the state. It's all the people of the state. Now, this is where I start having the conversation, that, that question is hunting conservation. Or is conservation paid for by hunting? Again, this is going to be a longer discussion at some point. But at any moment, if the general populace of if if hunting if if hunters make up eight percent of the population of say Colorado, then ninety two percent of the population of Colorado doesn't hunt. That doesn't mean they're anti hunting. It just means that they don't hunt. Well, if the if the population of those people that don't hunt decide that they want a certain type of wildlife management to occur, the state should address that somehow. Now, maybe sometimes the ideas are bad and the agencies are like, no, we can't do that because this and this and this would not be good here and this would cause adverse effects, blah, blah, blah. And they can make the case of why, well, we really don't, we don't think that that's a good idea. But if the state rallies and says, no, hell no, that's what we want to do. Guess what? It's the state's prerogative. Colorado now has, is going, is, is now in uh, embarking on a reintroduction effort. And, and this is going to be a different discussion. I talked to uh, why, why, why Colorado sportsmen haven't rallied to put together another ballot initiative. Now that there's already wolves in the state, 
why we have no leadership of Colorado sportsmen whatsoever going out, collecting signatures to put another ballot initiative in play for the fall to basically say, we've met the underlying objective of the original ballot initiative to have wolves in the state. The whole point on the underlying wolf initiative before was people wanted to have wolves in the state of Colorado. Well, guess what? Now you already have a wild pack of wolves that are reproducing in the state of Colorado. You don't need to go through all the money and the time and the agency, everything to get wolves in Colorado. You already have wolves in Colorado. All it would take is for the leadership of Colorado to get off their ass, excuse me, the sportsman leadership of Colorado to get off their ass and put together a freaking another ballot initiative and make the case in front of the state that, hey, we've already achieved nature. Nature has already achieved the objective of the previous ballot initiative. The previous ballot initiative won by one percentage point. It won by 51% of the votes. That's it. The reason why the vast majority of the pe- the clueless middle public that just that that were non they not sportsmen, not you know wolf lovers, they just thought it would be a neat idea to have wolves in the state. Well, guess what? You already do. You can't. You're telling me that the that the that the sportsman leadership in freaking Colorado can't put together a ballot initiative, get off their asses, get their thumbs out of their ass, and put together a ballot initiative and get enough signatures to put a ballot on the on the freaking docket for the fall. And you you think you wouldn't get more than fifty one percent of the vote to 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 say that we've achieved the objective i can i would bet strong money if you did it freaking right and you actually if people put their brain to it i bet you any money it would be a two-thirds vote especially given the economy the way it is especially given fuel especially given the state budget you can't make an argument that this nature's already met the the wolf uh, uh, objective we don't need to further bankrupt. Well, I don't say what you want to say. We don't need to further spend money that the agency doesn't have on on an activity that is no longer necessary. You're telling me you can't make that freaking argument? Give me a break. Right now, I think my opinion. My opinion. I'm not a resident, so I. It. I'm. My voice is out. My voice is out. I can share my opinion. That's it. It's up to people that live in Colorado to get off their ass and try it. But, you, but you're going to tell me that it, you know, it won't. It, it won't. Expand. Shut up. How about you give it a try? The activists did, and look what happened. Anyway, I digress. It's managed by the people of the state, and if the people of the state want something, then if the state can't make a plausible argument of why it shouldn't be done, guess what? Prudence and, and proper process and proper administrative protocol says the agency moves in that direction, that the state moves in the direction. And so if a state says, we want less non-resident hunters, what's the state supposed to do? Now, granted, some of these states are, like Colorado, heavily reliant on non-resident license sales. So they're in a catch 22. But if you're a state that makes a bunch of their money by oil 
or other revenue that, that you don't need a lot of sportsman's dollars or non-resident sportsman's dollars, why should they put non-resident sportsman interests before resident sportsman's interests that would literally be violating the entire governmental structure and representative structure of the state. And in a way, it would be going against the North American model of wildlife conservation. And then I made the other, uh, so we had a conversation on that. And then the other, the, <laughs> and this one shut it down pretty quick. This The other question was, you know, or the other thing I brought up, I'm like, okay, so if, if you wanted a, a top-down type of, of oh, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. And then the other reason why you see that is because if we're just talking about elk, the habitats are wildly different. The herd dynamics are wildly different. Predation and human pressures, wildly different. From Arizona to Washington to Wyoming to New Mexico to Montana, wildly different. Productivity is wildly different. So, and the, and the habitats are wildly different. So you, and I and I dove into the whole controversy around and what happened with the Colorado roadless rule, uh, the Clinton rule of the Forest Service, all, all the you know the effort to make all national forests be managed under one umbrella federal policy, and why that was it was a train wreck, and states knew it, and the Forest Service knew it, everything everybody knew it. And, and the efforts to try to change and, and to, to keep it at least at a statewide level. Um, and then the problems that happen around that. But if we were to take a broad sweeping federal oversight hand in elk management, let's say wild, Western wildlife management, the habitats across all those Western states are, is too, too variable to have one top-down approach. And then the the main argument I said why I think that's a train wreck of an idea is as soon as you make it federal, as, as soon as you put it under federal authority, some little old lady in Connecticut or, or somebody that's just sitting in their little hut on the beach of Hawaii that will never ever step foot in elk country in the West ever has just as much say about what happens with that elk herd as you do that you that that you live in that state and the and the elk herd that's being in that's in question is right out your backyard. Does that make any sense whatsoever? Hell no. We already know the problems we have with federal land management. Trying to get burned from trying to do habitat and anybody that's been involved with trying to do habitat improvement projects on the national forest properties. No, it's it's almost impossible in many places. It's 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 a nightmare. Why? Because at any moment some random schmedley from some other state can ra- just raise holy hell at Washington and the whole thing comes grinding to a halt. And then like we see with wolves Someone who doesn't like elk, the, 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 the way that someone doesn't like elk hunting or someone doesn't, who's object, who wants to object to a certain elk management protocol or, 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 or policy, all they need to do is just go challenge it in a court and then shut the whole damn thing down. Look at what we have with wolves and grizzlies with that wild, that federal wildlife management. 
Is that what we want for elk and, and, and Western wildlife, Western ungulate? Let's just put ungulate. Western ungulate populations? Hell no. We don't have to like what, uh, and this is really speaking to non-residents, but even the residents within the state that are unhappy with what's going on in their state. We don't have to like what's going on in, in, in particular states. But we do have to respect the fact that they each state is supposed to be looking out for their own residents first and then going from there. Yes, I know they're supposed to be looking out for the wildlife and they're supposed to be taking that account. But of course they are. Of course they are. We can have a discussion about whether they're doing a good job or a bad job or they could be better or we wish they did this or we did. Okay, that's fine. But they are. They're, they're, they're addressing the wildlife management needs of the state and they are supposed to be taking the people of the state, their interests, the direct stake, those stakeholders, their constituents. They're supposed to give them a higher priority. That's just how it, that's just how it goes. If you don't like what's happening in your state, then get freaking involved. I, we talked about, I, I've said this before. There's two types of people in this world. Those that wish to be left alone and those that refuse to. And the other adage, is, adage that I always talk about is the world is run by those who show up. And guess who always shows up? The people that don't want to leave you alone, that don't want to leave things alone, that want to be the busybodies, that have, they, they believe that they have an idea to, to do better here and better there and, and I'm going to make that, and, and they're going to be the ones that always show up. Meanwhile, those the people, those of us that just want to be left the hell alone and just you know work through the process and 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 have uh, orderly no, we we don't show up. Most of the time, we don't show up. And so, if you are that type of of conservative mindset, I'm not talking about politically. I'm just talking about from a from a a, a personality heart your brain hardwiring personality hardwiring standpoint where you are a process oriented individual where you are the type of person that just wants to be left to hell alone just understand those that refuse to those that that, that want to be the busybodies and, and dictate your life and, and control your life they're not they, they do show up they're always in in the in in the face of elected officials commissions they're always lobbying, organizing, scheming, working tirelessly, endlessly. So if you're, if you're unhappy with what's going on, again, we've talked about this before. I'm just going to touch on it real quick. If you're unhappy with what's going on, you are going to have to get your ass up out of your couch or your chair and go show up to a legislative hearing. Show up to a commission meeting. And you, you just can't expect that you show up the first time to the first one and jump in and be like, oh my God. And then the whole wildlife commission is like, oh my gosh, why? We didn't think that. Oh, of course, sir. Well, yeah, we're going to, you're going to have to put some time in. Go to multiple meetings. Go to multiple hearings. Learn who the players are. Learn who the what the dynamics are. Who are the people that you can talk to and work with? Who are the people that are going to stab you in the back? You're going to have to start showing up and taking ownership of your own interests. And again, I've said this before. I said it all the time in Colorado. I don't, when I was, when I was a representative for a sportsman, I didn't need people to show up to, to shove their ideology down someone else's throat. 
I just needed people to show up and defend themselves. But this is where, and this is, again, this is where I'm starting to get really tired. I, I grew very weary of the hashtag public landowner movement early on in the movement. And I'm, I'm starting to get very weary about the hunting is conservation movement as well. Because I'm not seeing it, man. I, I mean, yeah, sure, I, we can all point to examples where conservation is paid for by hunting. Sure. What I'm getting increasingly discouraged by is just the lack of leadership on some of these issues. Some of these big issues that have been looming over our heads for how many years or whatever, and we the, the general sportsman community does nothing. We are always on def, We are always playing defense. We are always reacting. And quite honestly, these days we're all panic. We're all told to panic. Sky's falling. Ah! Go here. Click here. Oppose this. Action alert. Action alert. Like, seriously? Like I said with the Wolves in Colorado, why the freaking hell? Do we not see a coalition? Let, let's just go down. And I, we talked again. I'm sitting with some Elk Foundation guys, but let's just go down the litany of the people off the top of my head. I can I can look at in Colorado, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Colorado Mule Deer Association, the Mule Deer Foundation. I bet you you could put together, well, Colorado Bow Hunters Association, Colorado Muzzleloader Association, Backcountry Hunters and Angle. I would hope, holy freaking dear Lord, tell me. I better be, I would hope that the sportsmen of Colorado could count on the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers to sign on to a ballot initiative to overturn the wolf thing in Colorado. I better bet I better be able to rely on the the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership that the the Colorado membership to be able to to stand behind that. I don't even know if bull moose still exists but I Trout Unlimited maybe the, I will give you that Trout Unlimited maybe that isn't in your wheel. Maybe maybe I could say you guys bow out because that's not in your purview. I know you've gotten invested in other stuff out there that probably wasn't to your purview. But anyway, I digress. So Elk Foundation, Mule Deer Foundation, Colorado Mule Deer Association, CBA, Muzzle Loaders, Rocky Mountain Bighorn Society. Who else? I mean, Sportsman for Colorado or uh, uh Sportsman for Responsible Wildlife Management. You know what? Backcountry hunters and anglers, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. <laughs> oh, National Wildlife Federation! You want to call yourself a sportsman's organization? Sign on to that bad chicken. And I might have a conversation about whether or not you're a sportsman's organization. Sign on to that. Colorado Wildlife Federation. I would show me how you're not gonna. You're you're. Not only are you a wildlife organization, you claim to be a sportsman's organization. You already have wolves in the state. I better be able to count on the both National Wildlife Federation members and Colorado Wildlife Federation to support a ballot initiative to overturn the previous wolf ballot initiative. Absolutely. I would say even Ducks Unlimited. 
Who else? That's just off the top of my head. I mean, you, and then you got the shooting sports folks that, I mean, you've got other, I mean, there's all sorts of different um, shooting sports folks. And quite honestly, quite honestly, I worked with these guys, the recreation folks, the off-highway vehicle folks coalition. Quite honestly, I think you guys ought to, they ought to jump in on this one as well. Because I think there's going to be some overlap on, on uh, impacts on recreation. So I bet you, that I, I think the over the uh, the recreation folks ought to be able to jump in on that. I know for a fact that the state agency folks would be under a gag order and be prohibited on. I mean, I, not that you individually couldn't sign on to something, but I bet you as an agency it'd be a gag order. Colorado Cattlemen's, absolutely. Colorado Farm Bureau, absolutely. Colorado Wool Growers, absolutely. Colorado Trappers Association, absolutely. How many freaking members just there do you have? And you can't tell me Colorado Outfitters Association, good Lord, just keep going. You can't tell me you couldn't put together enough signatures to get a ballot initiative put forth and you can't make the case that the state has already, nature, mother nature, has already met the objectives of the original ballot initiative. Where the freaking hell is the leadership of sportsmen these days? Man, it's discouraging. So anyway, these were the discussions we had last night. <laughs> if you weren't there, you missed them. I know, it was, it, was a great, it was a great conversation. It was a great conversation last night. I enjoyed the hell out of everybody's involvement. And... Again, we, we talked about all sorts of other stuff as well, but you know, a lot of this, it, it does. It comes down to value sets and it comes down to value sets and the ability to communicate those value sets and understand other people's competing value sets. And um, yeah, I don't know. Rambled on long enough. It's been about almost two hours now. So I'm gonna let's just kill it for now. But that's just kind of what, wanted to cover for today. I wanted to chat a little bit about what we what we covered yesterday at the seminar and some of the discussions there. And then I wanted to answer uh, a couple of the questions that came in regarding the website um, because there are a number of you have. And I, I, I listen, I, I appreciate I mean, anybody, have, you ever have a question, fire away. Just send me a, a direct message or email. Absolutely. I'll, absolutely. I'll, I'll answer whatever questions you guys have. So, all right. Um, there are some other, there were some other questions that came up, uh, last night that were pretty cool topics that I'm going to try to incorporate into separate, uh, podcasts. And we're going to dive into some of these other, uh, other discussions a little bit deeper as well. And then likewise, because like I said, we're here now that we're in June, we're going to start rolling into some more elk focused content. So like I've done in the past, there's some of these podcasts that are just going to be the general run-of-the-mill free podcast whatever but I will do uh, I will have some uh, focused you know elk specific podcasts coming up in the future where you might see that you know I what is this one episode 50 at uh, 42 maybe it's 43 I don't know but all of a sudden you, you you'll you'll see that the podcast count jumps by one or two and you're like did I miss one no well yeah maybe you did if you're not a subscriber you missed it because it's over on the subscriber side um, tackling some in-depth stuff for our subscriber base. So if you want to have access to all that type of stuff as well, 
then please consider subscribing. This is the time to do it. You've got June, July, and August. So again, the cheapest elk, the, the cheapest module subscription. Um, let's see, here, let's just go to sign up. Okay, here we go. Elk module. Here's what you've got. If you want to sign up for the elk for the elk information, right? You've got. Da, 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 da. Let's go. Let's go. Where are we at? I'm trying to. I, I want to look at the options we have. Quarterly membership for elk. Quarterly meaning you have a three month subscription. As soon as you hit sign up and you hit pay, that's when you're that's when it starts and it runs for three months. Unlimited access in three months for just the elk module. It's still twenty five bucks. Come on. Now we again I've talked about this in the past. The amount of video we have, uh, the, the the video hosting, is, it's starting to get expensive. And the web hoster, uh, the people that we have that's hosting this, bumped our rates significantly. We have chosen not to change the price. We're, we're keeping the price the same for now. I don't think we're going to see, or I don't think we're going to, we are going to do our damnedest to, to keep at the same price this year. Okay. Heaven knows it's not like we have extra money floating around out there given fuel prices and everything else. But anyway, $25. That's less than a pack of broadheads. Come on, people. Three months, elk module, 25 bucks. If you want a full 12 months of just the elk module, that's 50 bucks. I know for a fact that's at least half of what other guys are, are charging. And I'll stack our stuff up you know, as far as the quantity, I mean, we, you can have a debate. We can, again, value sets. Some people love Corey stuff. Some people like the L collective stuff. Some people like my stuff. That's fine. I'm not saying that I have the end all be all answer. I'm not saying mine's better than Corey's. I'm not saying, of course I am joking. I'm not saying that I have a better answer. I have a different philosophy and I'm going to share with you my philosophy. I'm going to make the damn case. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm going to make a damn case on why I think my philosophy might be better across the board for the vast majority of people in the vast majority of areas in the vast majority of encounters of elk across the landscape. Oh, I'll make a damn case. But it's just it's just my philosophy. So it's another tool. But we're I know what we have in there. We're just going to keep it cost effect. So annual membership, 50 bucks. If you want the full access of just like the elk module, the turkey module, the deer module, and it, that, um, yeah, that one's 60 bucks. I thought it was 75, but that one, that one's only 60 bucks. That's only 60 bucks. That one surprised me. I thought it was more than that. Hmm. And by the way, the, the deer module, that's really based on, based for, for really, really beginning deer hunters. And then the turkey module is, is really geared towards those people that are getting started into turkey hunting. Now, there's a lot of good information in there for seasoned turkey hunters as well. But man, there's so much, there's so much information out there on turkey. The, the Our turkey module is really geared to people want to learn how to get going in turkey hunting and be very efficient at um their calling and decoying efforts. So, but if you're just focused on elk, look at the elk module. 
uh, either the quarterly membership or the annual membership. It's 25 bucks or 50 bucks. Come on. I don't know how... It may not stay that way for next year. I don't know if it can stay that way for next year based on what, we, what we're what we seeing on our end, but we're going to try to keep it that way for now. Um, yeah, so there you go. There you go. I will look into, like I said, uh, these are all streaming video as long as you've got good... If you're on your... Obviously, if you're on your computer, you're on your computer, but if um, if you're on your phone and you've got good 4G or, or 5G connectivity... Uh, all these videos should stream very, very uh, efficiently for you uh, on your mobile device, wherever you are. And I will see if we can't get an autoplay um, or a continuous player. I don't even know what you call it, but you know what I'm saying, where each video you click on a section and it just plays them, bam, 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 and you can go right down the the, the playlist, if you will. Um, and maybe that's, I mean, quite honestly, that may, uh, now that I just said that, maybe that's what we do is, if nothing else, just to keep the again, if I have to, if we have to pay someone to come in and overhaul the website, that's going to be expensive as sin, and I don't want to because then then we're not then we will bump our rates up. It may be as simple as as um, just creating a separate playlist and have that as a just a, a separate link. So if you're if you're in your vehicle. That's actually not a bad idea, bro. Hmm. I'm going to do some thinking on that. That's a valid... Now that now that there's so many places that have 4G and, and 5G and, and play... That's a valid... That's a valid suggestion. I'm going to see what I can do. All right. Uh, let's call it for now. I need to get... I, I'm going to kill it. Uh, go in, get it uploaded, so that way those of you that need your uh, fix Monday morning, this will be up, ready to go for Monday morning. Thanks again to everybody that came out uh, last night. It was a great time. I appreciate all of you coming in. Uh, John, and, well, all of us uh, that, have, that put it on, we're, we're going to try to make this an annual deal. Um, I tell you what, you know, for those that attended and for, for those that did not attend and it, it, that you would like to have attended, um, we, we're thinking about trying to make this an annual deal. Let us know what kind of things that you'd be interested in, and, and yeah, there you go. Just let us know what you're, you know, if you were, to, if you've attended these in the past. What, what do you like? What do you don't like? What what would you be interested in attending in the future? Unless, especially if we wanted to try to grow this thing and and make it into a, a you know like beginning of June every year we kick kick the summer preseason off. Um, with some sort of event over there, so or, or, and and other area, I'm I'm wide open to other areas doing stuff like this as well. So, um, yeah, let John know, let let the Elk Foundation guys know, let me know, or whatever. Just let us know what you think, and uh, we'll see if we can't get some more stuff in in the works for for next year um, out that way at John's place. So, anyway, thanks everybody. Hope you have a great week, and uh, hopefully we'll have some additional podcasts coming this week and. Um, uh, just other discussions as well. I've got some folks that I want to talk to, so hopefully I can get them scheduled up. I've got a bunch of habitat stuff that I got to try to get winged in the ground. I got a project, real quick project turnaround in Colorado. I got to do, so it's going to be a busy week. Hope yours is good. Hope mine is good. We're going to find out. All right, talk to you soon. Bye.